Every day during these strange and uncertain times, Cood Street is spending 10 minutes or so with readers and book lovers from around the world, asking them what they're reading and what they'd recommend to anyone with a bit of an unexpected time on their hands. Today, I'm spending 10 minutes with the wonderful Kate Elliott, who joins me from somewhere in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Hello, Kate. Hello, and I am somewhere in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, although I'm actually on an rock in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, not actually in the Pacific Ocean, which I'm sorry about because it would be very nice water. On the other hand, reassuring that it's not lapping up around the edges of your desk at the moment. Oh, well, I live high up on the island, so I'm all right for the next several hundred years, probably. Fingers crossed. So tell me, how are you and how are these strange times treating you? Well, things are pretty quiet here because Hawaii's an island or island chain and the, the governor has is quarantining um, anybody who arrives. The downside of that is Hawaii's tourism has been horribly impacted. And I believe the state of Hawaii now has the highest unemployment rate in the United States, which is, of course, devastating for many people here uh, for me. Personally, you know, I've always worked from home, so that aspect of my life hasn't changed much. Uh, I think the biggest change is that um, all group activities uh, have have been ended for the time being, and the quarantine's been extended, or the stay-at-home has been extended until the end of May, which means that my usually I'd be heavy into outrigger canoe paddling season right now, and um, I'm not. We can't practice. Uh, you know, I, the most you can do is go out by yourself on your one man, which isn't the same. And we would be racing. We'd be in the middle of racing season right now. So that's that's a minor thing. But I yeah. do miss it. And are you, you know, are you finding that you have both more time on your hands to read and the disposition to do so? Or do you find that it's difficult to focus on those sort of things? What, what's been interesting to me is I'm not reading fiction. I don't know whether it's because of of the, uh, the current situation, whether I'm finding fiction uh, frustrating or not feeding me. So I've been reading a lot of nonfiction, and I'm doing I'm reading more nonfiction uh, than usual. Although I, I do usually read a fair amount of nonfiction, if just for research. Um, but I'm now instead of reading novels, I'm tending to read some of these nonfiction books I have in my on my shelves that I haven't read yet. So I've gotten more reading done uh, than normal, probably. Wow. So well, let me ask you, what are you reading, and and you know, is it any good? Oh, you know, I no longer have patience for things I'm not in, which might be because it's not good, not enjoying it. So I really don't read anything beyond 50 pages if I'm not enjoying it. <laughs> so what am I reading? I'm reading a lot of Alexander the Great history, yeah. um, more than I will share with you now. I'm <laughs> working my way through a, a classic old biography by A.B. Bosworth called Conquest and Empire, the reign of Alexander the Great. Bosworth was uh, one of the first people to kind of go with the with the, a, a somewhat more negative view of Alexander than, the, say, the Victorians who wanted to really valorize him uh, and talked about how he was, you know, had this global vision of peace and order. And Bosworth is more, man, this guy just killed a lot of people. And because he wanted, you know, I'm, I'm 
that's not really, that's not really what he's saying. But anyway, so he's interesting to read because every historian of Alexander kind of comes at it with their own issues and biases. And it's really interesting to read all those different ways of looking um, at this character who uh, I, of course, am. I guess we'll get to that at the very end. Um, so I'm doing that. Um, and then because I've been reading so much Alexander history research, uh, I'm doing other I've been reading some other history uh, biography of Athelstan by Sarah Foote. He was the grandson of Alfred the Great, um, uh, an Anglo-Saxon king. And one of the interesting things about this biography, which is very scholarly, is how little we really know about him. We know that, you know, the relics he gave and some of the charters that were written up when he would meet with his people and say, well, we need to uh, not kill thieves under the age of 15 with that that would be bad right which is nice to know that he he thought that um so it's been interesting to read that i'm an old anglo-saxon that was the first when i was in college anglo-saxon history was kind of the first thing i read for myself that i got into for myself that in roman britain mm -hmm. i'm such a geek jonathan <laughs> Um, and then I'm, I, and then later, and then I also read Women and the Making of the Mongol Empire by Anne Broadbridge, which again digs deep into the sources to dig out the names of women and is fascinating because it shows how poorly I think fantasy and to some extent science fiction as well in speculative terms understands the role that women often played in these older societies. Because it wasn't that the men went to war and the women sat at home. The men went to war, and then, but they brought part of their camp with them, and that camp was run by one of the chief wives of you know whoever was leading that army. And it so it talks about a lot about what they were doing and how much wealth they had to themselves, and how important they were to diplomacy, how important marriage alliances were. Um, um, so that was really interesting. I love this stuff. <laughs> and then I've been reading then the other, the flip side of the Alexander the Great history that I've been reading in terms of writing space opera is World War II Pacific naval history. Because I felt that that would give me the best insight into how, in how to best write space battles, because there's a, a three and even a four dimensional aspect to naval battles. And of course, my dad was in the Navy in the Pacific theater in World War II. So it's also a way to kind of connect with that history um, of his. And uh, the one I most recently finished is called Neptune's Inferno, the U S Navy at Guadalcanal by James Hornfisher. He also wrote The Last Stand of the Tin Can Sailors, which is just exceptional. Uh, it, it's just an account of one battle um, in Lady Gulf, uh, south of the, or in part of the Philippines, late in the war. And it's just an amazing piece of writing because he talks. He talked to survivors and every survivor, the cook in down in the galley and not just the officers and not just the people commanding it and the people, you know, in Hawaii, he talks to the people of just their experiences. And it is, it's riveting and horrific 
you know, they'll say. And then I was thrown off my feet. And when I got up, I saw that the man next to me, his head had been just taken off by the shell. And you're just like, and then the guys are just, they just relate this years later, they're telling him, but the way he digs down into the experience of every sailor on the ship is, um, was, is to me a really important aspect of history that we, 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 we ignore too often. Um, Okay. Yeah, sorry. I can just <laughs> no, no, no. Like pull the history chain and I will never stop. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I love history, so I'm fascinated to hear it. I'm also curious as well. What would you recommend to people at the moment to read? I know some people are launching off into readings of Proust. Some are heading towards Terry Pratchett. What kind of a thing would you re- suggest people might, might look at at the moment? I would suggest that people figure out what gives them what they need. And that's going to be different for different people. For me, for some reason, escapism, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm a real fan of escapism. For me, escapism isn't necessarily what I want right now. Um, I'm really enjoying blocking out time to dig into some of these history books that I haven't had time to or getting through more of the research I I want to do. Um, But for other people... They, I mean, there's so many great books out. We, we just are in such a fabulous time, for example, in science fiction and fantasy. Uh, there's just an embarrassment of riches. And if you read all the Murderbot novellas by Martha in time for the novel um, Network Effect to come out, you know, next month, then fantastic. Uh, if you want to read all of Proust, good for you. Uh, I, I just think people have to figure out what it is they want and not let outside voices tell them what they ought to be doing. Sounds good. Well, actually, speaking of our, of our plethora of riches, uh, have you been working? What, what do you have coming out at the moment? Anything at all? Well, that's like a leading question. <laughs> um, I have a I have a novelette coming out in early July in this fantastic anthology called the book of dragons, which was coincidentally edited by you. Um, it's going to be great. I've seen the table of contents and it's going to have amazing illustrations by Rovina Kai. Is that, am I pronouncing her name right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then of course on that same day, because that's just how it is, uh, my gender swapped Alexander, the great, in space uh, called Unconquerable Sun will be coming out. So what what can you tell us about Unconquerable Sun? Well, the pitch is easy. It is exactly what it says on the tin. It's gender-swapped Alexander the Great as a space opera. <laughs> I, yeah, I, it's great because when I say that, most people go, oh, right? So it is space opera. It also combines my love of history because I had to make a lot of decisions about how I was going to build that space opera world. And those decisions will be, there's a lot of Easter eggs in this story, let me say. Um, I tried to stay a lot out of the actual Alexander history without 
without making it an exact analog along the way because it doesn't work. And I had to make a lot of the decisions about how I was going to gender swap the character and what that would mean. I had to make decisions about how I was going to do, how I was going to create a situation where you have 10 years of conquest marching over long distances. That's actually not really in the first book. Um, but, I, you know, distance and time and communication and who are the different, who are the Macedonians, who are the Athenians, who are, uh, and, the, and the Greeks, who are the Persians? What does it mean that they're those people? I had to make a lot of decisions about how I was going to use them, which characters I was going to have exact analogs for, more or less, right? And which ones I was going to, like, combine some characters, because as we know, you can't write history. You can't write a novel with the same complexity as history. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. And I guess we should also point out to everybody, because the book sounds fabulous, that in these strange times, everything takes longer. So now is a great time to pre-order on Conquerable Sun, so they would have a chance it, to get it, it as soon as it comes out. And I will mention that it, that it already has two starred trade journal reviews, one from Kirkus Reviews and one from Publishers Weekly. It sounds terrific. I can't wait to read it. I want to say that... I, I, yeah. You know, I just said I hope you enjoy it. Sorry? I just want to say I hope you enjoy it. Uh, thank you. I, I'm sure I will. I love the novelette that, that you wrote for The Book of Dragons. I'm I'm confident I'm going to love Unconquerable Sun. But for a moment, I just want to say thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today, Kate. Thank you, Jonathan. Okay.